welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor and it's that special, special week of the year. It is the week in which we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, no matter where we are in the world. In this episode shortly, we're going to talk to Sophie Murphy from the Swedish Irish Society about the Society's plans to celebrate uh, St. Patrick's Day here in Stockholm and the parade on the 19th, Saturday the 19th. A couple of events in the run-up to that then, and I have been in touch with the Embassy and we're delighted to say that uh, Damien English, uh, Minister from the current Irish Government, is going to be here in Stockholm this week to uh, to talk to the Irish community, uh, to talk to our Swedish counterparts here and to promote Irish business and food and culture. And... Uh, Hopefully he will have a very, very enjoyable time over here. And a little bit later on in this episode, we're going to talk about the Swedish language and learning the Swedish language. I had a visit here during the week from Sophie and Sarah from Lys Forlag, which is a, a book publisher here in Sweden. They mostly publish books to help us foreigners learn the Swedish language, right? to develop our language skills that little bit more. But they're also publishing a book in the very near future by Irish author Paddy Kelly, and it's called We Can English, right? And it's a play on the direct translation of at kunna, to, to can something is to know something kind of like the Scots say it sometimes very canny um, and it's about uh, basically when Swedish copywriters use the English language and they just fail whether it be deliberately or whether it be humorously or whether it just be a massive massive fail on their part on their part it's no less hilarious and Paddy's a great man to write that book a really really humorous really sharp individual so the girls came down to my little studio here yesterday and we had a little chat about learning Swedish um, first of all, just the, that little reminder, as always, that this is a listener-supported podcast, right? So don't fast-forward through this. If you haven't done it now, get to doing it, and make sure that this podcast is still around for our community. You can support by going to patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm. That's what I prefer, right? The more people we can get in there making a monthly contribution, the more I can relax, and the more I know that the rent is paid, the electricity is paid, and all that kind of thing, and we can keep bringing you these podcasts from all over Sweden. You can switch a contribution if you want to one two three two four two four one. That's one two three two four two four one six six. Uh, and you can also offer to sponsor podcasts on Irish and Sweden podcast at gmail.com as our very good friends at Veerstrom's Pub, the place where I'll be celebrating my St. Patrick's Day, uh, have already done. So huge thanks uh, to Martin Hessian and the staff who indeed over the past weekend have also held a charity gig to raise money for the victims of the war in Ukraine. So, you know, Martin's a great individual, decent man, always has been. And it's probably, it's basically my favourite pub, the best pub in Stockholm. So get down there and support them because they support this podcast. But like I say, this week, the first item on the agenda has to be the celebration of St. Patrick's Day. By now, you must have guessed that this is Ireland, the Emerald Isle. St. Patrick's Day is Ireland. The sober side to St. Patrick's Day is what Irish folk will come back to Dublin for. They'll come 3,000 miles just to see the Shamrock blessed and walk in the O'Connell Street Parade behind the flag of their adopted country. making a triumphant return to the Irish in Sweden podcast is none other than Sophie Murphy and we're going to talk very well not briefly but we're going to talk about what is happening here in Sweden for St. Patrick's Day. Sophie how are the preparations going within the Swedish Irish Society for the greatest day of the year? It's been hectic I could tell you that. <laughs> I can it's imagine. Been, uh, meetings on meetings and uh, you know social media content and emails back and forth so it's been a lot but it's great fun. So uh, I don't mind it. You're looking forward to it at this stage, yeah? I think you're uh, looking forward to it being over, yeah? <laughs> that's the thing. So like I'm 50% excited about the event, 50% excited about Sunday. Mm. It's about, you know, it's one of those things that like a half an hour after the parade is over, when you get a drink in your hand at one of the fantastic pubs, maybe Veerstum's there in Gamlaston, that's when you can start to enjoy your St. Patrick's Day. But until then, the work keeps on going. So can you just go quickly through uh, what the Swedish Irish Society is doing first before we move on to everybody else in the country? Well, we have the annual parade every year. And this year it's going to be on the 19th. So it's a Saturday. Uh, yep. So the event starts at 12 and then the parade commences at, at 1.30. Okay. So at 12, um, you can come to Kunstergården and experience the music and we're going to have kids activities um, and some other activities that I can't talk about yet because we're still waiting for one of our licenses. Uh, but we'll keep everybody posted on our social media 
That's super. So we're gathering there around about 12 o'clock that begins and that goes on there for 90 minutes. And after that, then we set off. And is it the usual thing? Are we finishing up down around Cornhans Toy there in Gamlastan, the old town here, yeah? No, we're actually, we're starting off at Kunstergården and then we're returning to Kunstergården and then the music and the activities, they're going to run throughout the day. So we're going to be in Kunstergården until maybe like four o'clock-ish. Oh, wow. That's a big change this year. That sounds like fantastic stuff altogether because it, it always was that little bit of a, okay, we're here 10 minutes and then it was over. So it's a bit of a, sort of a longer festival that's happening there now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this year, a couple of people on the board, they've um, been on the board like previous years when they've done the parade. Uh, and this year they kind of wanted to do it like 110%, if not the double. Um, so we're really going all out this year with activities, sponsors, um, other things that are still a bit of a secret, but mm-hmm. uh, people are going to be very happy about the things going on in Kusugodan. Excellent. We have to mention as well that uh, the parade was cancelled thanks to COVID for the last two years. We may have driven the snakes out of Ireland, but it took us a little longer to get rid of this bloody virus. So this is, a sort of a, again, a triumphant return, I think is how we'll describe it. Uh, is the society organising anything else around uh, those dates? Uh, we're not organising anything like the days leading up to the event because we have so much to do uh, in preparation yep. for the event. Uh, but there are going to be a couple of events going on around the community, which you will be talking about more later. Um, so uh, it's all about delving into the different activities around the community. So okay. SAS, we have the parade and then the pubs are going to do their thing. And then I know that the Chamber of Commerce, they have their event on the 17th. They have a lunch for their members. Great. And where, where can people find out about that? Is it on their website there? It's uh, exactly. irishchamber.se, is it? Exactly. So uh, they have a tab called events where you can find all the information and then you have to be a member to uh, attend a lunch. Yep. But membership is open to everybody who has a, like, uh, what do you say, a business connection in Sweden. Actually, we can make that case for pretty much everybody, can't we? Maybe you can talk. To <laughs> Maybe. Well, uh, go, go in there. It is irishchamber.se. And across the top of their website, there you'll see home and about and events and awards and contact and apply. Uh, so you can apply to become a member there and you can get ready. That one is going, it's at a quarter to 12 on the 17th. So on St. Patrick's Day itself. And the location is at Vesta Tiergold Scotland, 11A in the center of Stockholm here, if you want to get involved in that. Right. Let's go through some of the other things happening around the place. And I'm going to start in VSPI of all places. Uh, in VSP, there's a pub there called the Black Sheep Arms, and that comes from Matthias Walkerblum, who actually lives there. He's going to be in Stockholm on the day, but there's a band there apparently called Quimnings, who are a, a Swedish band who are going to be playing some Irish music. They're going to be there. Uh, I'm sure Veerstrom's are going to have some music there. Who else has been in touch with us to tell us that things are going on? Oh, yeah, we have Kevin playing in the Hobo Hotel. Kevin used to work here um, Kevin O'Neill, who used to work here as the Jemison brand ambassador for a year or so. Kevin is making a much uh, long-awaited return to Stockholm and will be playing a few Irish tunes, a few popular tunes, probably Riptide. He's known for playing that one. He'll be in the Hobo Hotel. Is there anyone else you know about Sophie who's going to be doing that special on the day? Um, not what I know of. No, nobody's contacted me so far. So I think that you have more information than I do. <laughs> there, there you go. So if we do hear of anything, uh, send those details on to myself and on to Sophie, and we'll publicize them through the podcast and through the Swedish Irish Society's uh, channels. If we just go back, I just want to ask you a little question, because I'm always asking you about growing up here, because you grew up here and sort of, I didn't. You know, my wife will claim I did grow up here, that I was just a large child when I came here. But do you remember going to the parades when you were a little bit younger? Because that would have been around about the time when you were about seven, eight, nine, when those things started, was it? We didn't go the first couple of years. That was a good I, idea. They were very cold. <laughs> <laughs> but I started going to the parades when I was about maybe 13, 14, I think. Yeah. And did you go by yourself or did you bring other people with you? Did you bring the whole family? No, I, I used to go with like my Swirish friends. That was cool. always the gang that attended the parade together. And what was that? What, did, did you go sneaking off trying to get into the pubs then after that as well? Did you? No, I was a good child. <laughs> Still aren't yeah. this day, right? You don't have much choice when your dad's Irish. It's like, you don't want a shoe thrown in your head. That's the, he's, he's a lovely man, but he's very strict. <laughs> exactly. 
And tell us, what way are you going to celebrate now? Obviously, like I said earlier on, you're going to be very involved in the, in the parade itself and face painting. And uh, oh, yeah, one of the other things I meant to ask you was, do you still need volunteers for the parade? Because the volunteers in terms of helping out on the day are really important, right? Yeah, yeah. we actually don't need any more volunteers because we're so surprised about the amount of people that have signed up to volunteer. Um, we've had, what is it? I think we have about 50 pe- people now. Wow. So that's it's like absolutely terrific. And then we have a couple of uh, people from the Gales volunteering on the day and then other people from the community. So that's going to be great. So don't need any more volunteers, but we do need attendees. So that's uh, number one at the moment to get people to attend the event on Facebook and to come out with us on the day. Brilliant. Where can people find the Swedish Irish Society on Facebook? Um, you can just search for the Swedish Irish Society and we're going to be the first thing that pops up and so, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn brilliant so if they just go out there do a bit of a Google for Swedish Irish Society do it today do it now while your phone is in your hand listening right. to this podcast right <laughs> just Google Swedish Irish Society follow everything right like everything that oh, Sophie yeah. puts out there because she works really hard to get this content out here and she and the Swedish Irish Society have worked really hard to bring us a brilliant parade now I'm going to have a little bit of a part in the parade myself right so I don't know how much I'll be able to record the atmosphere of it but I'll try it and I'll uh, try to bring it on the next podcast following the St. Patrick's Day Parade which will be on Monday the 21st but in the meantime Sophie Murphy thanks so much for joining me again on the uh, the Irish and Sweden podcast thank you so much it's St. Patrick's Day and with men of the old IRA leading the longest parade Dublin's ever seen passes through the streets it's a mile long pageant of Irish culture and industry O'Connell Street is a centre of attraction in the afternoon when crowds in holiday mood turn out for a special St. Patrick's Day parade Headed by girl pipers is a procession of floats displaying Irish produce. There you go. That was Sophie Murphy from the Swedish Irish Society. And another one that's come in in the meantime is that there's a bit of a celebration going on down in Earl Road. As uh, usually something happens down there on St. Patrick's Day, it usually has something to do with the band, the Tullamore Brothers, who've been doing this for God Almighty almost as long as I can remember. And it seems to be on at the Royal Arms in Drottninggatan. So uh, that is as far as um, the information I've got. Basically, is that that's on at about 7 o'clock and again if you do have any events going on please do let me know and uh, we'll put them out there on social media we'll try and put them out there on uh, Instagram or that kind of thing you know so now there's one other thing that I have to tell you before we go ahead with the rest of this episode and that's that Sophie has been in touch again after our little conversation there to tell me that uh, there's been a little change I'm going to read out the message that she sent there St. Patrick's Day is celebrated around the world and the saying everybody is Irish on St. Patrick's Day applies even to Ukraine in previous years the people of Ukraine have embraced St. Patrick's Day and the Irish culture as their own they've walked the streets of Kiev enjoyed the music dressed up in green and had a point at one of the local pubs in consultation with the embassy the Swedish Irish Society has decided that the parade will have a fundraising element and all proceeds from merchandise sales at the Stockholm St. Patrick's Day Parade will go to the United Nations HCR so that's the United Nations High Commission for Refugees so get in there early get your St. Patrick's Day hats and scarves and headbands as they usually say outside Crow Park and all the money will go to refugees in Ukraine and I think it's very important to point out that whatever side you take in any war uh, the people who tend to suffer tend to be ordinary men, women and children but particularly women and children so if you can help out there at all uh, uh, the Swedish Irish Society will be there I'm sure they take payments via Swish and that so get down there and get your few bits and pieces in the green for the parade anyway uh, on to the thorny topic for some of us at least of learning Swedish uh, when I arrived over here in 1999, it was one of those things that I decided, okay, I'm going to do this as quickly as possible because I figured it was going to give me the best chance of you know some sort of success in this society. And I wound up, uh, the first two or three years that myself and my wife were living here, we wound up out mashed out by the airport. So we weren't really working downtown. We weren't working in places with English speakers. Now, my wife is Swedish, so she had a fairly good Swedish to begin with, but I didn't. And I started getting the old Metro newspaper that used to be given out free on public transport here. And that was where I started. I went to school and I could Thing. But it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, and uh, it appears that the longer you go without doing it, the harder it tends to get. So recently, uh, I got in touch with Lease Flog, which basically means light uh, publishers, and I saw that they had books uh, for teaching or for learning Swedish for people like ourselves, for people like the Irish community in Sweden who've come in kind of from outside as adults. So I got in touch with Sophie Tegsveden Devo. 
and uh, her colleague there, Sarah Coates-Chandler, they started this little publishing house. And I discovered as well that they're also publishing a book by Irishman Paddy Kelly uh, about how the Swedes use English. And it's called We Can English, right? To can, at thing is to know something in, in Swedish. So Paddy has been looking at uh, copywriting or advertising fails or sales materials fails when Swedish people write in English. And he's a hilarious bloke, so I can only imagine what... Um, the book is going to be like but they came to visit me in my little studio earlier on this week and we had a little chat about publishing and about learning Swedish and uh, to be honest I found it fascinating because even after like you know over 20 years here Sophie still had a few things to tell me that I wasn't quite aware of in Swedish so if you've any interest in learning the language or if you're wondering why you're struggling to do so have a listen to this good evening my name is professor Gavista Unfanga and tonight we have a Swedish lesson for you but there's a difference. It is in Norwegian. <laughs> Let me start with you, Sarah Coates-Chandler. So there you go, that got your attention, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, You are working for a publisher that's bringing out a book by an Irish author who's kind of uh, bringing together the best of, or maybe not the best of, some of the... No, it is of, the best of. It is a best of. The best of Sweden's English writing ad fails. And that is by Irishman Paddy Kelly. How did you come to decide to publish that book? Well, we met Paddy at this Stockholm Writers' Festival a few years ago, actually, pre-pandemic, we met in person. Um, And he had been, he didn't pitch that idea then, but he'd been knocking around with this idea um, about publishing these ad fails that uh, Swedish companies had been creating all over the place. Um, So writing Swedish copy, writing Swedish content, sorry, writing English copy, <laughs> Swedes writing English copy, um, sorry about that faux pas, and, uh, and how horribly wrong it can go, um, and, and not taking a dig at Swedish people, but taking a dig at like these big companies who don't invest in, in getting that English spot on. It doesn't actually take a whole lot, but it's so valuable, you know, to get that sort of second pair of eyes, and I find the same thing if I'm writing in Swedish, that I could really do with a Swedish person to look over your shoulder. Um, what's your favourite example? that you've seen from Paddy's book so far because it's not out just yet right no it's not oh so I'm a copywriter I'm a writer as well so for me they all kind of strike a chord but there's one in particular that I really like and it and it's the play on cheap and sheep okay so cheap as in something that doesn't cost much and sheep as in the little fluffy animal yes Mm. and that Swedes have a problem saying ch yeah and so it comes out as ch um so yeah. But this was a conscious move, though. I mean, I, I, it's Tele2, the, the phone company that did it, and they're, they obviously know what they're doing. Yeah. I, I think this is, a, this is a really smart... But that's why I like it, yeah. because it's actually using that, using the way Swedish people speak English to wordplay. And yeah. I think that is a really good example that shows that you can do this and make it, done, and make it really good, um, or you can just be really cheap and, <laughs> and just get it totally wrong. So I think I think that's probably why it's my favourite one because it's actually really clever and I like the cleverness of it. There are ones that work, there are ones that don't work. I remember doing a job for somebody recently and they sent me a piece of text, a piece of copy that was written by Swede. It was really, really good. Apart from the fact that they decided to use the expression the final solution. Oh dear God. Which in the English language basically means the Holocaust. So <laughs> we removed that. But again, it just goes to show the value of because... Certain things like that, you know, we say about, you know, certain writers, like, you know, don't end up in an argument with the Auschwitz Museum on Twitter. And that's the kind of thing that you may well have ended up doing. Yes. But the purpose of uh, Lise Fulog is not really to sort of uh, to teach people to speak English, right? You guys work much more, Sophie, with, uh, with teaching Swedish as a second language and that kind of thing. So could you tell me about the kind of books maybe that you publish there? Uh, yes, we, we make a lot of books in, for, in, in Swedish as a second language and primarily books in professional Swedish. So we worked a lot with um, medical Swedish and right now we're working on a project with Swedish for engineers. Uh, And on top of that, we're trying to help people to get into Swedish culture as well, because we think there's so much prejudice about what Swedish culture is like. And you get that sort of very beautiful picture of lagom and hygge or whatever, you know, that sort of Nordic porn stuff. And we notice that this might inspire people to move to Sweden, but it doesn't really help them when they have ended up here and when they're living here and when they're actually experiencing the culture that mm. is much more complex um, than this. 
that's to put it mildly, isn't it? You know? <laughs> I was just thinking, if you read The Guardian and decide to move to Sweden, you probably don't really know what you're getting yourself in for. No, it's it's idyllic lakes and uh, beautiful people and, and oh, yeah. everyone can speak English. Yeah, and we all have a summer studio and uh, that's all we do, you know. But Absolutely. Sophie, you also teach Swedish in that kind of context. Mm. So you have to sort of break it down for idiots like me. What's the hardest part about teaching Swedish to English speakers? To English speakers, wow. Um, many English speakers or native English speakers, people from Ireland or the UK or the US or Australia have never learned language before uh, properly. They've maybe learned a bit of French in school, but they never actually had to use that language. And I think um, that is not really something that helps when you actually have to learn Swedish. And it doesn't help that many Swedes are also very happy to speak English when they meet English speakers so you're not in a sort of very good start starting position to get to do this properly but I think a lot of English speakers sort of underestimate uh, how unique Swedish is in comparison to English it's not enough just to learn the words and translate them you also have to learn like the expressions and the the way you formulate things the way you present things and and how you interact with 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 other people and and I think this is a big threshold to get over to actually realize that you can't just say what you would usually say in a certain situation Hmm. directly translated this actually happened to me last night right because i was writing about football and the swedish football coach janne anderson they're talking about as we're talking about the wars going on between russia has invaded ukraine and russia have been sort of kicked out of competitions and janne used an expression Mm. which means crazy but we also have that in hiberno english but it doesn't kind of exist in english english and i was sitting there with an editor for a news agency going no no this actually does mean crazy and we should translated as up the walls is what we would say in Irish English and the coach just go no no mate I'm sorry I'm not having any of that so we had to sort of translate as crazy instead so some things work but other things don't Sarah could I ask you about your experience of learning Swedish are you going to sit there and go I'm sorry I haven't got that far yet <laughs> <laughs> um, you know ironically I first met Sophie at a Swedish lesson so oh, she we started off our relationship as a student and teacher um so i sophie's part of my language learning um i am not fluent in swedish and i found it really difficult primarily for um a few reasons one uh i work in english mm. swedish people speak english so it hasn't been an imperative and i think that is one of the big problems for for native english speakers is it isn't an imperative unless you really need it for work you can kind of get by in swedish in yeah. sweden um so it's been a love-hate journey for me I would love to speak more Swedish I don't have a barrier to 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 learning I want to do that but I also have a small family I work full-time there's all these normal everyday pressures so um a lot of a lot of excuses (laughs) um yeah I mean I think I had this idea that I would move here and I would learn Swedish really quickly Hmm. That that in my head, I was like, yes, I'm absolutely going to learn Swedish. I love how you look at Sophie there as if it's her fault. You didn't. <laughs> I don't want to let her down. No, but it, it is it is frustrating because I think with all the will in the world, if you don't have the if you don't have the time and the economic imperative, hmm. then it can be a little bit difficult because you can kind of sit back and you know you, you can sit back and say, yeah, I can go to the shops and I can get by, or I can hmm. call up. I can call up a government department and there's going to be an option for English. Yeah. If I was speaking Mandarin or Portuguese or Spanish, they, they don't have those options. So actually the imperative would be much, much more. So I think as English native speakers, we are let off a bit lightly in that sense. So and I, I think what happens as well in this situation is you start feeling guilty about it and I meet a lot of people who sort of contact me and they tell me I've lived in Sweden for five years or 10 years or 20 years and, and I never needed to speak Swedish but now you know something happened they, they they changed jobs they had kids they had a divorce something big in their their life happened and and then you know suddenly they need to speak fluent Swedish and they come to me and they're like well how fast can we God do this <laughs> <laughs> so, you know I have to break the bad news you know it's gonna take a really long time and and it's, it's not very enjoyable to learn Swedish when you really have to and we ha- when you have that time pressure so I, I, I think you know wherever you are if you've been here for two weeks or two years or 20 years like it, it's time to start now because at some point you need it and it's much more enjoyable I think to do it 
when you don't have to. You don't feel that pressure, you know, that every word you learn needs to be relevant or Mm. that you need to see that sort of progress every week or something that a lot of people experience. I think it's that thing as well of like, you know, the best time to start to learn Swedish is the day you arrive and Mm. the next best time is now, you know, because Mm. like you say, people find themselves in different life situations. You'll meet an awful lot of lads with guitars in this town who met a woman somewhere in Spain or in Ireland and arrived over here and maybe all of a sudden she's not there anymore and they're still in this country because they have children or whatever. Sarah, do you feel like you're missing out? By Absolutely. Not be- you do? Absolutely. In what I'm way? missing out. Um, it's Sometimes it's the small interactions. It's like when I go and pick up my kids from um, school or for school, I'm a really sociable person when it comes to those situations. I'd like to make a quick witty comment to the, mm. to the other parents standing outside in the cold or look at us, you know, where, you know, at the whim of our children. But I can't do that. So I feel like I'm kind of limited in just even expressing myself sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, if I want to kind of maybe engage more on a professional level as well um you know I, I i am very conscious that people at work have to speak english to me even though that's perfectly fine and it's a part of my a part of my job but i also do feel like there's there's something missing there that i can't connect on a deeper level with people and and i i'm really appreciative that people speak english but i think it's it is it is harder and you don't always get the same personality from people like no say of my mates who are swedish i'm like i don't get the full roundness of them yeah Yeah. so are they themselves i know i have a really good friend and i know that she's super funny in swedish Mm. and i've seen her in social settings but i don't get that from her because she has to speak english with me and it's much more um uh she falters a lot so i feel Mm. like okay i'm letting my my relationships down in a way do you feel that people look down on you when you do speak swedish Ah, you haven't heard my Swedish. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems I think is that, and it's not, I think it's getting better, is that um, if you say something wrong, because pronunciation is so important, that Mm. that quite often Swedish people will will correct you. Mm. And then I feel like, oh, I've got it wrong. So I'll just say, oh, I'll just switch to English then. Yeah. Um, Or that I take a little bit longer to reply Mm. because it's processing. Yeah. So then it's like, oh, okay. Then they switch and then I feel like, oh, yeah, they think I'm an idiot. <laughs> Sophie, when you're interacting with Sarah, is it possible for you to have patience or you just go, oh, look, and I'll just speak English because she's either not going to understand or it's going to take 15 minutes longer for this meeting to take place? Well, I used to be a teacher and then we started like hanging out in a different context. And, yeah. and I, I think with that, we sort of switched languages to be more on an equal yeah. level because I was in a power position you know, yeah. before, obviously. And, and it's the same. I, I'm married to a Frenchman and he speaks excellent Swedish but yeah. we still speak English together because you know my, my Swedish is still so much better than his but it's also it's, neutral ground you know yeah it's, 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 it's neutral ground and, and with Sarah it's it's you know that's how our relationship is and I think even if she improved her Swedish a lot I th- still think we'd continue in English because that's where we are that's how we interact yeah. and I think this is it, it's something very difficult for people moving to Sweden and if you know if they start a friendship or a start a relationship it's very difficult to switch languages and this is what I recommend as well you know when you get to that level you can start having some sort of social interaction in Swedish get some new friends s- start over again with someone else because it's so difficult to change that as you're talking about Sarah it's like you get a different identity as well and you might not actually click the way you might do in another language when yeah. you start switch to to a new one yeah I noticed that I was actually I was at the Olympics there in China and um, I spent a lot of time working with people in Norway and that so I understand what they say and what words I need to change that they'll understand me and what you were saying there Sarah about people spe- they're totally different when they're speaking English that's sort of you know the glint in their eye and the jokes and all of that is really flat when they speak English but when they're in Norwegian they're, you know, they're, they're the funniest people in the world you know so it is certainly something um, in terms of the books that you guys produced we talked about Paddy's book I can't wait to read this by the way because Paddy's completely mad you know if you follow yeah. him on Facebook or that or you've seen he's and his re- writing reflects that it's, it's really good he's it's really tr- Tremendous, and he's written science fiction and stuff for years as well. He's a fascinating guy and a really sharp fellow as well. So I'm looking forward to that. But what sort of other books have you put out on Lise Vlog that might help people listening to this to learn Swedish on a professional or personal level? Uh, we made a book with uh, the local, the new site uh, last year. It's called Villa Volvo Vove, and it's it's a it's a collection of Swedish words. I think it's just about a hundred or hundred and one Swedish words, and they are explained by Catherine Edwards, who is also a genius in the way she's explaining the words in Swedish, mm. in, in English, but explaining the social, the cultural context, and also how the words are used. And I think this is a really good way for someone who's a beginner in Swedish and wants to 
experience the language a little bit further and just, you know, being able to introduce yourself and, and say these, these basic things, you can sort of take a shortcut mm. into the language and, and learn a bit and then sort of you, you get more interested, I think, in Swedish culture this way and in language. And I think it helps you to stay motivated when it gets hard and tedious to learn mm. Swedish. So I think this is a, is, a, is a great book for someone who's new to Sweden or is curious about um, Swedish culture or society. Mm. I think one of the things that we all feel, Sarah, speaking as somebody who learned Swedish when I moved here or started to learn it in 1999, is we all kind of feel like that when we make a mistake that you know there's a certain sense of shame attached to that, right? How can we meet Swedish people? How should I react when you correct me? And, you know, maybe Sarah might uh, say how, you know, Swedish people might go about correcting us in a way that we don't feel like a sort of a dog and a choke chain kind of thing. So so how should we, uh, let me see, where, where did I start with that, that one? That was, uh, yeah. How can Swedish people respond, I guess? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best way, yeah. I mean, I think I I never really correct people when they speak English and they say incorrect words. Hmm. Um, I've, Sweden's the fifth country I've lived in and I've heard English spoken in lots of different dialects and and different ways. And my belief is that if you can understand the person, don't don't ruin the flow. Mm-hmm. If you can if you can feel what they're saying, then just let it go. Um, and I think maybe Swedish people are getting more used to that because there are more and more people in Sweden speaking Swedish who aren't natives. And I think maybe when you arrived, maybe there were less non-native speakers. So the idea that someone was speaking Swedish and it wasn't coming out perfectly was a little bit unusual for them. But now it's becoming more maybe, you know, there's been, you know, big influx of um, new migrants. So them hearing Swedish in a different context is maybe changing that. Um, but I think if, I think for Swedish people, if it, if you can understand it, just let it go. Yeah. You know, I understand if you say, hey, that that's a sheep drink. I know you're saying it's a cheap drink. I'm not going to pick you up. So and kind I of just, just wall in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just kind of let it go. Just let it, you know, like kind of let the experience of somebody speaking your language be part of the dialogue that you're having. And I think that is something that like that I've learned to live with with English. I mean, people at work say to me, oh, did I get that right? I said, no, but I understood it. Yeah. So actually, it doesn't matter whether you got it right. But that's the thing is the key to communication. I always get this, like it still annoys the shit out of me after all these years, the difference between N and et at the end of a word. And there are certain words that I've thought for years were one or the other. And that just turns out not to be the case, you know. So, but, uh, and as in, long as you're not saying anything offensive, then hey-ho. I usually am in fairness. <laughs> so that, that adds to it. Um, what do you think then, Sophie, as a Swede who teaches Swedish, what can we as English speakers, native English speakers or as foreigners coming to Sweden, what can we do better? What, what, would we, what could we improve quickly, do you think? Wow, that's a difficult question. Um, you could read books from Lise Fanon. You could, you could read that, our books. Definitely. You could listen to me. Uh, you could do everything I tell you. But but I, 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 I think pronunciation. I was I, I'm part of this Facebook group with with people from um, uh, another country uh, discussing life in Sweden, and they were saying um, that when they speak Swedish, Swedes seem not to understand what they're saying, mm. and that was very rude from the Swedish point point of view. And you know, t- to break the bad news, it's probably because your pronunciation is so bad that the yeah. Swedish people can't um, uh, understand you. And, and and this is partly your fault because you're maybe not listening carefully enough on, on what Swedish people are telling you about pronunciation, but it's partly your teacher's fault as well because most Swedish teachers don't know how to pr- how to teach pronunciation and don't value it enough in, in, their, in their teaching. But... Uh, my advice would be like take a proper pronunciation course and 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 take this matter really seriously because there is also like um, a series of studies that are saying that the Swedish person when they judge someone's language skills it doesn't really matter how bad your grammar is or how bad your vocabulary is or if you get the n or f wrong but if your pronunciation is not so good they will think your Swedish is really bad uh, so this is this is how amateurs not teachers like me who have a more systematic approach to, to to sort of assessing language skills but this is how your boss or your neighbor or your friend will sort of assess your Swedish is based on your pronunciation so invest in that part I, I have this thing called the ABBA theory of learning Swedish right that you have to sing it you can't just sit there and speak the way we speak, which can be quite flat in English. You actually have to enunciate all the wo- all the uh, syllables and that kind of thing. And it really, I found it really helped because there's nothing worse than hearing somebody speaking with you know an Irish accent or an Australian speaking Swedish in that way. So it really does help. Mm-hmm. I find it really helps to sort of go, okay, just commit to it. It might sound ridiculous, yeah, but go for it. Kind of thing. If you feel ridiculous, you're probably doing it right. But but <laughs> I, I think I think a really good point there is like. 
the ways we express politeness, you know, we don't have the word please, for example, but that doesn't mean we're like going around not being polite to each other, but mm. we use the tone and, uh, and like the, the, the music of the language to express politeness. So that's another thing. If you're experiencing that it's not going so well when you're talking to a native Swedish person in, in, in Swedish, it's probably because you sound a bit rude. Yeah. Uh, because a flat language in Swedish means you're rude and you're disinterested and, in, and you're in a bad mood. So even if you feel like an idiot doing this sing-song thing, is actually helping a lot on a social part, I think. Sarah, of all the tools, of all the books, of all the podcasts and newspapers that you've seen out there, what have you found most helpful in terms of the Swedish that you've learned so far? Um, Lee's for logs books. Yes, all of, all of Lisa's books. <laughs> actually, no, to be honest, it has been a massive influence on me working with Lisa and, and publishing books. Um, I think because... I'm seeing language in context. Mm. It's not just a textbook. I'm seeing it like through other people's eyes and I'm seeing, I'm learning about the language in relation to the culture. Yeah. And for me, that's really important because I'm not great on, I shouldn't say this, I'm not great on grammar, even though that's my job. Say <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like to I like to know how people experience a language and it's 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 more, for me, that, that really helps. Um, but I've I've got small kids and and for me I've listened to like kids music and yeah. kids TVs and read kids books so that's kind of helped. So if you want to talk about like um you know if you want to sing some songs I'm great at that. But um I think there's no one thing that I've landed on, yeah. or else I'd be fluent. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out with Sophie tends yeah, to help yeah, as well. Yeah, that, that could help. But I I just go back to Sophie's point and I remember one lesson we had and she said to me. You, if you feel uncomfortable saying like these long sounds or this 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 inflection, then you have to go with that feeling. Like make yourself feel uncomfortable, and and I think for me that making yourself feel uncomfortable is a really good lesson because mm. even in those really tricky situations where you're at the doctor or you're at the shop and it gets complicated, you've got to kind of sit with that feeling of being uncomfortable and go with it. Mm. Sophie, if somebody comes to speak to you and they're like, you know, if I start speaking Swedish to you now, do you sort of automatically go, is there like a point where you go, oh, fuck it, I'm, I'm switching to English? Or can you sort of, you know, have the patience to coach somebody through if they're doing the right thing? It's my job to what? speak Swedish. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I had a point with, with my husband when we tried, you know, that he was going to speak Swedish to us, like to me, and 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 we'd have our conversations in in Swedish, and I I had to stop. It was mm. it was unbearable for me, yeah. um, and and I think it's also because it is my job. You know, I, when I when I go home, I want to just relax and yeah, oh, not another one. <laughs> do, do do things the way I I want it, but but I, but I I know this is something that a lot of I know a lot of Swedish learners experience this when it's when they speak to Swedish person that that person seems to be very tired after a while and they want to switch to English and yeah. I, uh, and and you know part part of me want to say you have you know Swedish should really get used to you know yeah. hearing a different version of of um, of their language and I think as Sarah was saying earlier this is probably happening as well but uh, at, at the same time you know I I, I think as a learner what you might want to think about is as a, and saying try to do the sing-song thing because it will make you sound more uh, sociable and polite and also respect that rule that in, in Swedish you know you, you speak for a short time and then you make a break you know so it's the other person's uh, turn, uh, yeah. turn to speak and because this is also something that I experience a lot with my students there's a lot of sort of talking and talking and talking and talking and and uh, you know th- this really tires me. Mm. You know, I want to get the opportunity to talk. I don't want to interrupt you because that's incredibly rude in Swedish. Um, So I think there's a lot of work to do on this uh, sort of Swedish conversation etiquette Mm. and and how such interactions usually work. So it's a good idea to observe someone or, you know, listen to someone on the phone. You'll hear that Swedish going, "Mm, mm, ah, ah, ah. You know, that's how we speak. Try to mimic that. Then it will be much, much easier to, to, to make your Swedish partner comfortable in that conversation because it's kind of like you know it's language is only a small part of communication and there's all these other things that you touched on but then there's just one thing that I would like to for everybody who's listened to this right if you're together with a Swedish partner they are not your teacher Right? They are the last person, in fact, and your relationship may go to shit because of it if you go around and say, well, you never taught me to speak Swedish. Right? No, right? My wife is a language teacher as well. Yeah. I was just, no, I can't. I can't do that. Her father, who's a carpenter, I learned more Swedish from him than I ever did from my wife who's a teacher because that expectation is going to kill you completely. Um, one last thing. Paddy's book, when's that coming out? Have we any idea? 28th of April. The 28th of April, okay. And in the meantime, again, just uh, we have the Volvo... Volvo. Yes, 
what was that? Oh, Villa Volvo Vuvu. Villa Volvo Vuvu. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're also hosting, an, like, organizing an award uh, related to Paddy's book. It's called uh, The Golden Can. And <laughs> if you see some sort of example of shitty English out there, Dear send Tobin, us. this doesn't apply to you because you've already nominated pretty much everybody in Sweden, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please send us a picture because we're trying to collate as many examples of pos- as possible. And uh, there will be an award. We have a jury. Uh, we have a trophy. And there will be a big party celebrating this um, part of Swedish culture. This is fantastic. And it's leaseforlog.com, right? Yes. And if people are looking for you to teach them Swedish, where do they go for that? Uh, same. Same thing. Leaseforlog.com. Ladies, thank you so much for visiting me and for talking to me and for teaching me so many lessons about Swedish. Thank, thank you. you. Sweden's amazing. It's incredible. The people are beautiful. They've got no trash. Their fish even tastes like candy. Like, <laughs> nothing bad ever happens there. The worst thing to ever happen to that entire country is when the band ABBA broke up. That's it. That's all Thank you very much indeed to Sophie and to Sarah for coming by the little studio here in central Stockholm for a chat about Paddy's book and about learning Swedish. Uh, If you want to find out more, go to goldencan.se. That's goldencan.se. That's where they are looking for nominations for a weird, quirky, funny use of the Swedish language, or uh, sorry, of the English language by Swedes and Swedish copywriters in Swedish advertising. You can follow uh, at least on the Logom, which is the name of the publisher, at Lysander Logom, L-Y-S-A-N-D-E-L-A-G-O-M, on uh, Twitter. You can also follow Golden Can Award, at Golden Can Award, and Sophie underscore T underscore Devo, D-E-V-E-A-U-X. Uh, and that will get you to Sophie on Twitter. So there's loads of stuff there. I'll try to post those things in the show notes as well, if I remember. And <laughs> the cover of the book is brilliant as well. The Golden Can Awards, more of which are on. There's going to be an event, uh, an Irish pub gala on the 18th of May, and the book will be published on the 28th of April. So we're very much looking forward to that. And who knows, we might even get a little bit of a chat with Paddy himself if we can coax him down to the little studio here for a bit of a word. Now, before we go this week, we're getting up to a little bit over 40 minutes of this week's podcast. But um, just another little conversation that I wanted to bring you because I saw that uh, another Irish person, we spoke to Carl Lambert a few weeks ago before the Winter Olympics about Vasa Loppet and about this really long ski race in Sweden. And then I saw that another Irish man, a teacher out in Tebby, was also doing the same race, but he was doing it for charity. So uh, just this morning there, I finally managed to get in touch with Kieran Hennigan. Kieran is currently on paternity leave at the moment, Papaleda, as they call it in Swedish. See, you can learn Swedish on this podcast as well. Uh, so we just had a little chat about uh, while his child was asleep about why he decided to do the half Vossel Uppet and uh, the charity that he was doing it for so here's a little chat with Kieran, and uh, we'll hopefully hear more from him later because I'd say there's plenty more to come from this lad Completed a half vassal up, but not the whole vassal up, as you told me earlier on there. What on earth is the matter with you? How did you come up with the idea that you wanted to do that? Um, I don't know if I wanted to do it. I felt I kind of got led into it. Um, and a colleague of mine, uh, Kiwi, who was living in Stockholm, and he left during COVID, you know, um, to make sure he got down for the for the lockdown. And he left skis behind him. So I inherited them, and he said, you better put them to some good use. So... Uh, yeah, a few colleagues kind of signed up to it, and uh, there I found myself in Mora, about to start the 45-kilometre trek across the forest. What was the experience like, Kieran? Because presumably you'd never done anything like that before. Um, no, not, I mean, I've never been on skis before, really. I've never done any kind of winter sports like this, so it was a pretty new experience. Um, I'd done a couple of half marathons uh, in the past, but nothing like this. So it was daunting. Um, to start, like, it was really weird. You know, you, you go in these big groups. I put myself at the back of one of these groups, assuming I'd be the slowest. Sure didn't I end up in a traffic jam for the first couple of hours then? Because people of all ages are doing it. You know, there's, there's pensioners there. There's, um, there's children. There's all sorts of shapes and sizes. And everyone's going at their own pace. So it's a really beautiful um, sporting event. You know, it's not, it doesn't feel competitive when you're so far back not competitive at all it's very collaborative people are helping each other and encouraging each other so it's a wonderful event 
You were telling me that you were out there for about five hours. What was the body like uh, by the time you got to the end of it? Uh, I I was running on empty by the end, I must say. <laughs> it was, um, ah, it's grueling. It is grueling because there's no let up. You know, you're constantly on your feet. Um, it's But it's upper body, which I'm not used to. I'm a, a cyclist would be my kind of favorite sport, uh, which is all lower body, of course. But this is working your shoulders, working your core, working your arms. And it's tough. It's tough going um, with a small little bit of respite going down the wee hills, you know. But um, you kind of get pumped on by the crowd and the adrenaline gets involved and you just want to finish, you know. I couldn't imagine getting to 45 kilometers and then thinking I have another 45 ahead of me, which <laughs> is what the, the major Vassalaba race is. That's just insane altogether. But I suppose you adjust your, your mindset and... It's your expectations really more than the body that are kind of, it's a mental race, you know, it's a mental challenge. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit there about a little bit of cycling, half marathons. Do you have any sort of background in endurance sports at all? Um, no, I don't really. Um, I was awful uh, at endurance sports as a, as a child. So I was a terrible athlete. But, but uh, I've done a few half marathons. Um, I was living in Tanzania for a while and, you know, running is the kind of the big sport there. So we kind of got involved in running a bit did the Kilimanjaro half marathon. Um, although I didn't finish it because I got ran over by a runaway wheelchair Jeez. on the, the, re- the return leg. Yeah, this big monstrosity of a thing with bicycle wheels and two by fours and all this kind of stuff. And racing down the hill behind me and uh, clobbered me, broke my foot. And they wouldn't even give me a finishing t-shirt. No I thought joking. that was pretty scabby of it. No, I had to be stretchered back over the finishing line. Um, but apparently that didn't qualify. So that kind of turned me off these endurance sports for a while. But, ah, you know, give them a second chance after a while. I can imagine. Um, the reason, Karen, that you sort of popped up on my radar, one was that we were talking about Vossalopath a few weeks ago on this podcast, but also the fact that there was a charity element to what you were doing. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, unfortunately, a couple of friends of mine, uh, the greatest people in the world, they had a, a young fella, Amali, who... He had all sorts of problems, um, you know, when he was one, two, three, he kept forgetting, he forgot how to walk and how to talk. And eventually they got a diagnosis and he had Lee's syndrome, which is a very, very rare, um, I think it's something that attacks the mitochondria or something like that. But he was eventually diagnosed and given a few years to live, um, but he only lasted a few months, unfortunately. Um, So the family asked the friends and and you know loved ones that in lieu of attending the funeral because there was no funeral it was in lockdown if everybody could raise a little bit of money for the hospice which he spent his final weeks in which is in norfolk it's an east anglia uh, children's hospice and um, they'd really appreciate it and so they got hundreds of people and um, to do something a bit similar to what i'm doing and they've raised an incredible amount of money because it's all voluntary based for that hospice and what the hospice specialise in is allowing parents to spend those precious few hours, days, weeks with their uh, children before they pass on, which is, you know, there's no price you could put on that kind of um, time and care. So that's what we raise money for. And people have been really generous, I must say. Uh, Donations have been coming in from all over the place. Um, And I'm a teacher in the British International School. And even the parents there have been getting on board and, and uh, donating. So it's wonderful um, to see this kind of um, support uh, for essentially what is, you know, a bit of a hobby. And is there still a possibility if somebody wants to contribute a few quid to that? Is that still open, Karen, or have you closed it off yet? No, no. I mean, it's open forever. Uh, a lot of people have been donating directly to the website. It's each, E-A-C-H, East Anglia Children's Hospital, dot org, dot UK. Uh, or if it's easier for Swedish people, they're more than happy to switch me. Uh, that's 0721-514-566. And I just ask anyone who is in the mind to donate to write the word Amali, which is the, the young boy that um, we're doing it in memory of. And do you feel now, Kieran, after this, that you've kind of done your bit for this charity? Or would you think, okay, what's next? Could I do Vet and Rundan on my bicycle? Or, or are you kind of done with that kind of thing now? I'm, I'm kind of feeling, you know, it was it was lovely motivation for the training and everything to have this uh, target of, you know, I have to complete it because I've 
I've committed to all these people that I would do it in memory and in support of this hospice. So I'm kind of thinking, actually, you know, why not make it annual? Why not give myself a yearly challenge and make it go to a good cause? Um, you know, it seems like killing two birds with one stone to me. Well, Kieran, there is an open invitation on this podcast, right? Whoever you decide to do it for, whatever mad yoke you decide to do next, uh, you can always get in touch and we'll put it out there. And if you want to bring anybody with you, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, they'll find Kieran Hennigan there on Facebook. But uh, for now, you know, we'll all add you as a friend and we'll see what you're up to and we'll see. And as I say, if you're ever coming back, or if you're ever doing something like this again, you just hit me up. Thanks very much for talking to me. Sure, well, Phil, thanks very much. There you go, the belled Mr. Hennigan still on his skis and you never know what will happen uh, next. Now, the same offer applies that I uh, made to, to Kieran there. Anybody who's up to anything, basically, is welcome to get in touch with me via the Facebook page, via Instagram, via wherever, and uh, just get in touch. And if you have something going on, whether it be for charity or sport or that kind of thing, um, I'm more than happy to give you a platform to talk about it, Especially if you're outside Stockholm, right? There's too many Stockholmers on this. It's like Liverpool fans in Dublin. There's just too many of them, right? So uh, get on to me and we'll put you on the podcast as, as soon as possible. So it's there for absolutely everybody. Now, in the coming weeks, um, there's no shortage of things coming to you. Next week, there's going to be an interview with this Minister Damien English is coming to town and the Irish Embassy have fixed it up so I can sit down in Ireland House and have a chat about him and the Irish government's attitude to Sweden and so on and so forth. So we'll have a good long chat with Damien. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to record some of the events that are happening around Stockholm, around St. Patrick's Day. And who knows what you're going to get in touch with uh, with all those things. So if you're going out, enjoy yourself over St. Patrick's Day. I hope you have a wonderful time. I hope to see as many of you as possible at the parade, right? Remember, you know, for me, this all started. I remember way, way back, we used to start a call a plan here in Stockholm when my kids were born. And it became very much a family affair. So let's put the kids, let's put uh, the children of the Swedish-Irish community at the heart of this and everything we do. We, Of course, we can enjoy the few drinks. We're all going to do that. But let them experience the music and the culture and the Jemenskap, as the Swedes say, this sense of togetherness is what makes this such a great Swedish-Irish community abroad. Uh, again, I hope I'll see most of you at some point during St. Patrick's Week. If I don't, I'll be talking to you again in the very near future. But for now, take care of yourselves and take care of one another. And I'll speak to you again in a week's time. <laughs>